Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for, again, Your goodness and Your presence here. We thank You that You are the one who speaks to our hearts and softens us and prepares us to, to hear, not just to listen, but to hear. And to be people who are able to respond, give us that great and deep desire. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Well, we've uh, completed our summer series uh, titled A Summer with Solomon. We've looked at a few selected proverbs along the way and uh, tried to lean into a little bit of the Old Testament form of wisdom and what, what it is for us to live a life of, uh, of goodness that God provides for us. We've, we've defined wisdom kind of simply, and it's this, the ability to make godly choices. The ability to make godly choices, no matter what circumstance might come to us or the crossroads that might uh, present itself before us, uh, no matter what choice lays ahead, it's the ability that we grow over time to make godly choices. In the next three weeks, as we prepare for about a six-week uh, series on stewardship and what does it mean to be people who um, are accountable before God and live a life uh, that uh, signifies that, is I want us to remember over these next three weeks what the source of wisdom is. Because the source of wisdom isn't just merely nice slogans that we might throw up on a wall or a particular proverb we might pluck out of the book of Proverbs. And that's easy to do. Uh, the source of wisdom isn't simply uh, putting up hashtags on Twitter and uh, saying this is something that's trending right now. The source of wisdom is something different. It's ancient and it's modern. It's for real life and real people just like you and me, everyday kind of people. It's given through a grand revealing. That's why we constantly come back to the Bible and open it to see how God would speak to us through it. So wisdom and the application of wisdom and the source of wisdom comes through this grand revealing. It also comes through a deep and deepening relationship with the real person, a divine person, albeit, but it's Jesus Himself. So the source of wisdom comes out of this grand revealing in the Scripture and a deep relationship with the person of Jesus, and it's then developed over years and years of resting in and going with Jesus. You see, the source of wisdom really is for those who hunger for righteousness and for those who linger long with Jesus Himself. Today our passage is about just that. It's a life that is centered on, immersed in, and dedicated to the God of the universe who has made Himself known and knowable most clearly through the person of Jesus. It is Paul who prayed and wrote the letter, and he prayed in the verses that we'll examine in just a moment for Jesus' followers that they would be in a community that, or they were in a community that he did not directly plant and start. This was a church Paul did not begin. But he prays into that church, and I believe a prayer like this is one that we can pray for this church as well. That there are three spiritual markers of a life that is exemplified with the presence of Jesus himself. So three markers of a Christian life. It's a snapshot, if you will, of what Christian living, at least part of it, some factors in it, is intended to be and looks like. So open your Bibles with me to the first chapter of the book of Colossians. It's one of the smaller New Testament letters. 
Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Now, we'll start in verse 9. This is going to be our focal passage. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we're going to unpack these three facets of the prayer that Paul prays. And looking at these three spiritual markers that exemplify and give evidence of and are invitations to further development in our lives. Marker number one is spiritual growth. In verse 10, it says that we are, his prayers that we would be those who are bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit uh, certainly can mean the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we find that in another one of Paul's letters. The fruit of the Spirit, inward characteristics of personhood that are developed in us because of God's work in and through us. Things like love and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There's nine. I've forgotten one. Uh, you'll have to find it and let me know afterwards. Um, for it is for a character traits that God would build inwardly in us, the fruit of the Spirit. If we have come to faith in Christ Jesus, and the Bible says when that happens, we are sealed in God's Holy Spirit. And so when we are sealed and protected and brought to God, then God's Spirit then comes and takes residence in our lives and begins to work in us so that there begins to be evidence out of our life. Jesus would say, you may know a tree, a tree, by its fruit. You want to know what kind of tree it is? We'll walk up to it and observe the kind of fruit that grows from it. You go to my neighbor has a tree and it has this little bitty fruit on it. And I was really curious because he was out tending to it. And it's the first time I'd seen him tend to his front yard tree 
ever since I've lived in this neighborhood over five years. And I walked over after he was done because I was curious what sort of fruit was hanging. And I found out there were, I think they're little peaches. I mean, the teeniest peaches I've ever seen. If they're not peaches, they're some mystery fruit, which uh, I have no idea what it was. But I only knew the fruit because I went to examine the tree. And a particular tree won't grow different kinds of fruit. And Jesus says, you will know what a tree is. You'll know what a life is because of the fruit that comes out of it. What is the the product of that life? Because the product of the life gives evidence to the rootedness of that life, the centeredness of that life. What is that life encompassed in? Right? And so we are to bear fruit, those character traits that God's Spirit would develop in us. And then it is characteristics that are to be unleashed and worked out within God's church. In weeks down the road, we're going to be talking a little about spiritual giftedness and thinking together about how in the world does God, through His Holy Spirit, gift His church so that we might be the full body that God would desire us to be? And how might He come to individuals and to give you particular things for the good of the body. But every spiritual gift is only uh, intended to be used, perhaps save one, but is intended to be used and is given so that it can be shared. It can be worked out within the church and in our relationships with one another. That is the intent of spiritual gifts, not just for our own benefit. But Paul says and prays that we would bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. We are first called to a relationship with Christ, and an essential element of that relating in Christ involves then being put into service for God. It's working with God. One of the great mysteries and wonderful, delightful realities of God's kingdom is that He invites common people like me and you to become co-workers, to work with Him in developing and expanding and modeling and exemplifying His kingdom. See, as we employ the fruit of the character growth God has developed in us by serving others, It's in that service then that we have the opportunities before us to grow in our understanding and in our knowledge of God. We go out and we join Herb and Sam and others at the Open Door Ministry by serving the poor and feeding those who are in great need. And the opportunity presents itself for us to grow in our understanding of how God provides for those in need. We go and minister to someone in their grief after losing a loved one And the opportunity is there for us to grow in our knowledge of how God provides life after death. We go on a mission trip, and I know this church has had many over the years, and we better understand how even right now at this very moment, God is at work all around His very globe, His earth. You see, we employ ourselves in ministry. It's in growing and bearing fruit and putting it to work in God's kingdom that we have the opportunity to grow more fully in our understanding of who God is and how He works in His kingdom and through our lives. Because fruit-bearing involves other people, I am prayerful that everyone will prayerfully consider becoming part of our small group Focus study uh, starting in September. You'll have opportunities, uh, we hope, starting next week to sign up and to find a group that would fit uh, your schedule. But uh, the uh, you'll see more information in your bulletin. But the study that's been chosen 
the subtitle of it, well, the title is uh, The Life You've Always Wanted, and the subtitle is Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> Aren't we ordinary people? Wanting to grow in our understanding and knowledge of God. Well, this is going to be a six-week opportunity for you to be part of a group in a home setting, most of them, and uh, learning together, growing in the Lord. You can find more information about that in your bulletin today. So number two is the power to persevere. Number one is, is growing spiritually. Number two, the second marker uh, that Paul prays about is the power to persevere. In verse 11, you'll see... The Bible says, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. That word patience is sometimes translated into other Bibles more through an idiom. Um, in other languages, sometimes it's translated with expressions like this. Rather than just using a word patience, they'll, some languages translate it like to remain seated in one's heart or to keep one's heart from jumping, or to have a waiting heart. I don't know about you, but that's descriptive to me about what patience is, an equality and characteristic of patience in the midst of life's journey and the uh, whitewater rapids that we sometimes experience. Hear the verse again. Paul is praying that we would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might, so that we might have great endurance and patience. You see, God gives strength to be patient with people, people who sometimes may inflict persecution. Uh, you have the opportunity on Tuesday, August 30th, more information is in your bulletin about the film, The Insanity of God. It's a description and a documentary about the persecuted church all around the world and how God is at work in those people. But God gives strength to those who are persecuted to be patient, to remain seated in one's heart in the face of persecution, with those who may have different theological views, with those who engage perhaps in practices that your faith leads you to disagree with, and on it goes. It also is the ability to have strength to endure when economic times get difficult. A move to a new community has resulted in a new school, new friends, a new church family. All of that can be very difficult, but God gives power and strength to endure and to bear up under those moments of transition when difficulties are compounded. I want to share with you, a, uh, I mentioned during our prayer time, uh, the need for Janelle and Alan Webster, who had their, uh, their goods, their property stolen out of their garage, well, a few days ago, they had posted on Facebook, this is their response and how they're in the midst of trying to deal face forward with it head on and still trusting God in it. They begin the Facebook post uh, by reading, this is on a public uh, face uh, Facebook issue, so I know I'm not betraying anything, but they start with uh, quoting John 16.33. I have told you these things, Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then they begin to explain. He says, in the last year plus, God has been teaching us, molding us, maturing us in so many ways and with so much depth. Janelle has been on an unreal health journey and has been unable to work for over a year. We have been in the midst of a house remodel, which sent us on an odyssey from house to house, 
a traveling family with uh, living with others. I went to our house today and found our garage was broken into and we were robbed of thousands of dollars worth of stuff. Lawnmower, baby stroller, furniture, all of our dishes. In fact, our entire kitchen's, uh, kitchen set was packed up. Family heirlooms, various collectibles, things of monetary value, as well as irreplaceable memory value. Stuff. Ultimately, we are thankful it is just stuff. No one was harmed. Stuff can be replaced. But this hits us hard in the spot of life we are in. Please pray with us. In these moments, we hurt, we are angry, we are frustrated, and we are wondering how we even begin to tackle the newest adversary. We hold fast to the Lord. We cling to the hope we have in Him. We choose to trust. May His peace flood our hearts. We take heart, for we know He has overcome even this. Reality is, you can't take it with you. So part of the prayer for Janelle and Alan is that God would deepen them through this difficulty, that God would give them the strength to endure, and even through this they would grow in their knowledge and appreciation for who God is and what He is doing for them. So marker number one is a prayer for spiritual growth. Marker number two is the power to persevere, to endure, and to be patient, to learn over time to be seated in one's heart in the midst of difficulties. Marker number three is a joyful thanksgiving to God. To be joy-filled in our thanksgiving to God. I want to read, I want us to read together um, the end of verse 11. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's unpack that for just a moment. Paul says that Jesus has qualified you to share in the inheritance that God alone makes possible. It's the work of Jesus on the cross to give you and me an inheritance, and it is the declaration of God to be pleased with it. It's not my good deeds, but it's by God's grace that this inheritance is made possible. The inheritance is something that is shared gladly with adopted daughters and sons. And you see, an inheritance is based on relationship, not on earning. You see, God is the one through Jesus who has qualified us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We shouldn't expect it. But because of Jesus and what He's done, we have been qualified now to receive and to share in the great inheritance of the living God. Joyful thanksgiving to God for what He's done in Christ. Because He's rescued you, the Scripture says, out of darkness and into His kingdom of light. You see, dark places, that conveys all sorts of images, especially to a Hebrew mind. Things like loneliness and absence untended place where there's absence and untendedness. There's abuse and forgottenness. It's cold in dark places. But well-lit places, that imagery communicates a welcome instead of loneliness, presence instead of absence, safety instead of abusive realities, loving, uh, remembered instead of being forgotten, and warmth instead of cold, 
He has rescued you. Jesus has rescued you out of darkness so that you might be in His kingdom of light. And finally, redemption. This is a word used in, in the New Testament in the first century to describe the slave trade that was active. And redemption literally means someone who comes and pays the redeeming price to set free one who is a slave. And that is what God has done for each person who would receive the forgiveness that He offers and the new life that He makes real. Jesus is our Redeemer. We sing about a Redeemer sometimes. We talk about the redemption that God has made for us. The reality is we are all captives to a world philosophy and a sin nature that we cannot escape from and cannot be set free from unless Jesus Himself comes and pays the redemption price so that you can walk free from that into a new life. And that is just what Jesus has done on the cross. He has come to pay the penalty of sin. He's paid the price for my sin and for yours so that as you would exchange the, the death that He died for the death you should die, then you receive the life that He lived for the life that you should live. Spiritual growth, the power to persevere and to be patient, joy-filled thanksgiving. This is the prayer the Apostle Paul prayed for the Colossians, the prayer that he prays had prayed, I think, for us, that uh, the prayer that, that I pray for this fellowship as well. Let us pray together. Living God, we thank You for Your goodness and grace. We thank You that You are the one who calls us to hope, and that hope then translates as we walk with You, growing in our spiritual wisdom, that we would uh, be those who spiritually grow, we would be those who learn to endure because Your strength is in us. And we would be those who uh, learn to be thankful joyfully in all circumstances, in all seasons of our life. It's for Your sake and in Your name, Jesus, that we pray together. Amen.